dark in doorless chambers, where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. <laughs> Hey everyone and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy podcast and today we're going to be talking about reopening the theme park. So we've seen in the states that some of the parks are hopefully starting to reopen. We've seen that in Europe some of the parks are possibly starting to reopen and we're also seeing Shanghai Disneyland over in China which is starting to reopen. So today our special guest is Stephen from Frill Max and... Hey. Calling us from the the windy city Chicago itself. So, how are you doing, Stephen? Pretty good. Uh, not so windy today, but uh, usually it's it's pretty windy over here. Yeah. Where does that does that name? Is it because it was windy? Is that is that where that name comes from? Yeah. Um, in the city of Chicago, um, so we have Lake Michigan, and um, the wind that comes off Lake Michigan. When it goes uh, into the city, it gets trapped between all the buildings, and so it creates all these really big, um, uh, like wind tunnels in the city. And so it's very windy. Um, I didn't think it was real until I got here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we've, I guess we've heard of it, but we've probably only heard of it through Calamity Jane. So I don't think we all know all the kind of technical details in the UK. So that's quite interesting to to hear that. For sure. Um, the only thing I wanted to know about is Frill Max. Is that homage to Max Force, or is Max Force a homage to Frill Max? Perhaps. I wish we were big enough for Max Force to be a homage to Thrill Max. Um, no, the reason that uh, we're called Thrill Max and uh, our Max is M A X X is because we started this in 2019. And that was the year that my home park, Six Flags Great America, was opening their newest roller coaster called Max Force. So when I was right. just thinking of a name, I wanted to incorporate the year or the um, the coaster that was opening at my home park. So Max does come from from uh, Max Force. Yeah, oh, oh. yeah. Well, that's quite good calling it after the name because it's quite. A, when I when I read it the first time, I thought, oh, that's quite unusual having the two X's. But then when I saw that at your local park there was um, a ride called Max Force, and I did I did start to wonder. Then so I thought that's probably where it came from. So that's quite a good segue into just a bit of an introduction. I just wanted to have a bit of an introduction so people sort of know a little bit about you. So I just wondered if you could tell people about, you know, what, what was your first ever roller coaster that you went on and what kind of experience was it? Was it good or bad? And and just tell us a little bit about your local park as well. Yeah, so there's um, there's two real coasters uh, that I'll answer this with. Um, the first coaster I ever rode, um, so... When I was growing up, a different park called Six Flags St. Louis was my home park uh, for many years uh, when I was a kid. And they had a a little kiddie coaster there. Um, And it was nothing special. Um, But I I rode that. I have a picture of it. I was four years old uh, when I got on it. And that is the first uh, 
picture and memory that I have on a roller coaster. Um, but at the same park, Six Flags St. Louis, my first major looping coaster, uh, it's a coaster there called Ninja. Um, and Ninja is a really rough, has a reputation for being one of the roughest coasters in the world. Um, it's incredibly rough. Um, actually, a lot of people in the U.S. have, have petitioned to have it torn down. So, um, you know, maybe that'll happen. Is but it, that was, was even, my first looping coaster. Was it even rougher than uh, Son of Beast? I don't know. Did you ever ride that? I never got to ride Son of Beast, unfortunately. But, um, yes, people say that from a steel coaster, this is a... Uh, Aero slash Vacoma. Um, uh, Aero Dynamics actually started to build it halfway through construction. They filed for bankruptcy. Vacoma took over and finished it. So if that gives you any idea of how rough this thing is, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's pretty jarring. Um, and so uh, actually, I know some um, YouTubers here in the U.S. I know, I, I think um, Coaster Studios, if you guys know them over there. Um, Coaster Studios, I think, ranks it in his top three um, worst in the world. He's been on, you know, 600, 700 coasters. So, oh, was it was it one of those uh, arrow arrow rides where um, then Vcoma came in to finish and they just added a load of straight track or like kind of like oh no and stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, they they twisted this one up. Um, it was the first coaster. To have a Sidewinder inversion, uh, it's very, very rough, the Sidewinder. There's um, there's no big drops. Um, the coaster's over 100 feet tall, but I think the biggest drop is 50 or 60 feet. So there's no big drop. Um, and it just kind of, you drop and you go through a couple of loops. You get four loops all together. It's got the classic double corkscrew at the end, but then you kind of go up a little bit and then you slam to the ground into a... a, a uh, helix that's right on the ground and it's you know the the sidewinder in that helix probably the roughest parts of the whole work, whole ride <laughs> yeah it sounds sounds quite fun that um and just and just tell us a little bit about so your local park is uh six flags great america i understand so just tell me uh, a little bit what that, that's your local park is that your favorite park as well or that's that's not my favorite um it is the the closest park to me um i'm kind of spoiled <laughs> Um, Six Flags Great America is one of the two uh, what we call Tier 1 parks. Um, there's three different tiers. Um, Six Flags Magic Mountain and Six Flags Great, Event, or Great America get the most consistent love from the company. Um, so my home park since 2008, every other season we've always gotten a coaster. So we have a fantastic selection of rides. I think we've got 16 different coasters, depending on how you count some of them. We have some racers. It depends on if people count it as one or two credits. we got about 16 big coasters. Um, we have RMCs, Intamins, um, everything you can imagine. Um, so, so we're really uh, uh, lucky to have that. But I'm in a, a really interesting area. If, if anyone ever gets out to Chicago, there's all kinds of um, parks Within a six-hour radius of me, um, you've got Cedar Point, you've got Kings Island, you've got Six Flags St. Louis, you have Holiday World, um, you've got Michigan's Adventure, you have so many different parks, Adventureland in Iowa, um, so there's you know, Kentucky Kingdom's another one that's about six hours away, so there's so many 
parks, about a dozen big name parks in my area, including, like I said, Cedar Point and Kings Island, which are huge. Um, so from that standpoint, I'm in a great location to do weekend trips and to go to all these different parks. Um, it's a really great place to live if you're a coaster fan. Yeah, it does does sound quite amazing. I think it's probably one of the holy grails, I suppose, either, either living in Florida or probably living up, you know, Ohio way in, in that kind of area. I think that probably for coaster fans, I think that would probably be the, the holy grail. Other than that, maybe, maybe living in, like, southern Germany or something like that, maybe. Um, right. But I think that would probably be the other, the other one, but yeah. It does sound like a really great place to live for, definitely for coasters anyway. And I for think, sure. um, uh, yeah, because it seems to be a Six Flags that is definitely looked after. Because I think, I said to you before that, I think our view sometimes of Six Flags is that they'll bring in, you know, a second-hand ride or bring in quite a generic ride and then kind of slap the green lantern on it or something like that. <laughs> or, oh, you know. that happens. That's that's very true. Our, a lot of our... You know, we we're not known for theming. Um, if we get a cool entrance sign, that's about all that we get. We don't get the theming that some of the parks in the UK, like Alton Towers and stuff. We don't get that level of theming on stuff. Um, however, we just we go for quantity. You know, we go for let's stack as many rides as we can on top of each other. Ours is um, we're landlocked, so ours mm. is. Um, a lot of our rides were starting to look a little bit like Blackpool Pleasure Beach over here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have this saying in the states, but we we call them like uh, car park coasters. So it's it's basically a coaster on some concrete, and it looks like it's been built in a car park. So I think <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of people say that about uh, Cedar Point. It's kind of like a, a car park. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's a lot of concrete, and they just slap down a bunch of rides. It is. They're right with that. Yeah, I I mean some some parks in Europe are like that as well. Like uh, Silver Star um, is over at Europa Park. That's potentially a car park coaster. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Well, let's uh, from that then let's let's segue into the topic a little bit. So, what's happening? So at Six Flags Great America then has there been some murmurings about wanting to reopen there? Has there been any talk about you know how that could happen? What measures could be put in place? Is there anything been happening in your area there? Yeah. Um, well, the really great thing about, you know, like I said, being kind of where I am is that we hear rumblings from Six Flags, Cedar Fair, and then a lot of the independent parks like Kentucky Kingdom and Holiday World. Um, so we're kind of getting news from all the different places right now. Um, so they're all saying very similar things. The difference is going to be the timeline in which they all open. But here in the U.S., Oh, first of all, my home park, Great America, every day is looking um, it's looking worse and worse for when they could reopen because our state is currently on lockdown and it's on lockdown to the end of May, but our state just unrolled a five-phase reopening plan and theme parks would not be until phase five. So the very last phase, um, and we're looking at a at this plan that could take several months to get to that phase. So, um, you know, everyone's saying maybe July, but every day that keeps getting pushed back more and more and more um, with how slow our plan is going. Um, yeah. The same news is coming out of Cedar Point and Kings Island. Um, you know, their states on lockdown, and uh, the the biggest. 
problem that that I'm hearing is if so a lot of the parks here rely on international workers I'll, you know Cedar Point um, Great America especially um, during the summer I'd say 50% of their staff at least is um, from the foreign exchange program so we see a lot of people from Jamaica um, we see a lot of people from Dominican Republic that are working in our parks and with travel bans and stuff like that, the staffing is going to be a problem when they reopen. They're really concerned about that. Um, and then, obviously, no theme park wants the publicity of guests showed up at their park and then massive outbreaks of, you know, this health problem broke out. Um in their park they don't want that link back to them so that's another problem is seeing our our country and and the spikes we're having um how do they reopen and still project an image that it's safe to come to the park so those are two of the biggest pro issues right now preventing them from opening yeah uh, i think i think staffing i don't know if that would be as a bigger issue in the uk um it tends to be that most of the staff in the UK parks would be, you know, like students, you know, people mm -hmm. either at university or still at college, you know, sort of 16 to, you know, 20 year olds, I'd say. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that would be too much of an issue uh, in the UK. But um, what I would say is what, what you guys have kind of got going for you in the States is the kind of space that you, you have. Um, so, you know, potentially, if they could, say, if they could reopen New York State, Ohio, you know, those kind of areas, if they were kind of safe zones, then you could maybe reopen those parks. But in the UK, because it's, because it's so interconnected, it'd be impossible, you know, really to open, you know, the London parks, but not open the Northern parks, because, you know, people would, you know, travel about and, you know, people are going to infect each other either way. So it's going to be very different. I think at least in, in, in the USA, you can potentially roll, roll it out. So maybe, you know, if California is harder hit, then maybe they stay closed for longer, but maybe, you know, like I say, Cedar Point, you know, places like that, maybe they could reopen, which we couldn't do in the UK. So that's potentially one big difference uh, and maybe sure. a plus point for you guys. Yeah, um, I think that that works at most parks. The parks that are more, I guess, in, I guess have to take more precautions are the big name parks like Universal and Disney parks, um, just because they attract such a big international crowd. Um, you know, yes, we get international people at, at Cedar Point and, and, well, definitely Cedar Point, but at some other parks, but it's really, really big for Disney and Universal Park. So it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to see how they handle it because in a lot of ways, they're going to be kind of the standard bearer for the rest of the parks in the U.S. If Disney can do it, if Universal can do it, that's going to give other parks confidence that they can do it too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how those parks, because it seems like Disney is going to start reopening, in, the, in Florida anyways, uh, May 20th. So here in about 10 days, the shopping plaza Disney Springs is opening. 
So, yeah, yeah. I, d- I saw a video. Uh, Tim Tracker did a video. Um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't watched it yet, but they're they're sort of still quite cautious about it. They've just had a baby, um, but it does kind of sound like maybe it's just a few. It's a few, you know, non-Disney shops that are opening. So I think, right. Um, so I think I'm saying Disney Springs is opening is maybe not quite true from what I'm reading so far. But I think people will be able to go there. Um, but Disney's an interesting one because I I would wager that maybe a, probably about a, you know almost a, a quarter of the people that probably go to Disney World are probably from Europe, um, and obviously f- mostly probably from the UK. So we can't travel uh, at the moment, and we can't travel to the US. So it's going to be interesting to see if they reopen the parks Disney, whether it's just going to. You know how busy would they really be? Because I think a lot of locals in Florida have kind of fallen out with Disney a little bit as well, so they're only going to get that local crowd still. So it's going to be interesting to see if, if Disney really can open. And also, I don't know if you saw there was um, an article the other the other night that the, uh, Disney have been surveying people to find out. You know, would you still come to Disney if you know maybe not enough rides are available, or maybe some of the hotels are closed? You know, uh, maybe if we don't have all the shows on, are you still going to come? So it feels like they're trying to put the feelers out there to try and understand if people still want to go or not. Um, But I I think either way, um, that's, you know, people from the UK might want to go to Disney World, but they physically can't. (laughs) So, you know, asking those questions, it's only going to apply to local people. And if, if you're already in Florida... Um, then you might pop down for the day, but whether the hotels are available, it's kind of neither here nor there, is it? You know. Yeah, and it, it, so all we can do is look at some of the other Disney parks that are reopening. Like I believe it was Shanghai who announced their opening, and their tickets sold out in like less than an hour. I mean, they're yeah. so. And now again, that that's not the U.S., but. You know, maybe Disney's looking at that and saying, okay, you know, it was strong in that market. Let's see if the U.S. I will say that there's a lot of, there's a lot of protest here in the U.S. already. Um, Our citizens seem to not be taking it as seriously as some, um, some other country citizens. Um, And so a lot of people here in our country are demanding that that the, um, government reopen and that all the states reopen and everything resume, even though it's probably not good to do that right now. Um, people are saying that. So that, that could be giving the theme park industry here in the, in the States some hope because so many people are saying open, we want to go. Um, and maybe they're looking at that. Um, like I said, the, the real test here is going to be, this month for us and because we have a lot of states that reopened this weekend and if those states can prove that they can be safe and be open um then i think it's going to really help our industry over here but you know if we see spikes and stuff because these states are reopening then i fear the 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 opposite's going to happen and the country is going to go into a deeper lockdown. It's going to be even longer. So, um, I don't know in the UK what your guys' discussions are about, um, parks reopening, but I know Mm. over here, another thing we're thinking of is 
if parks can't open until July or possibly August here in the States, and our parks, a lot of them are seasonal, so um, they shut down um, some of them right after October, some of them right after December. Yeah. And so they shut down for three months. And so if they're not going to open until July or August, then we have to look at, is it going to financially be worth it for them to open for the season? Or will they take a loss only opening at reduced capacities with all these new procedures in place for just a couple of months? Um, and we're, we're afraid that parks over in the U.S. are going to say, no, it's it's financially it's not viable for us to open this year and to just skip 2020. We're really worried about that. Yeah. Well, we've, we've already had um, one park in the UK, one of the smaller parks that have said we're not opening now in 2020 because it's just too much, Um, you know, because they'd, they'd have to go through the hassle of, you know, hiring people, you know, doing all the kind of uh, maintenance that they need to do to get it safe. And then obviously put the measures in place as well. So I think they've just decided that it's not, it's not worth it, sure. you know, because the amount of time that there would be open potentially, uh, they're just not. It's not going to be viable. Um, and I guess, I guess that kind of segues a little bit into some of the steps, you know, that have been talked about. So I guess one of the, one of the steps that you know seems to be coming out would be this kind of idea of having this reduced capacity and maybe even pre-booking, you know, to go yep. to a park. Yep. Um, my kind of question with that is, I guess. In the US, I would suggest some of the parks are maybe large enough to be able to absorb that. But if we looked at somewhere like Blackpool Pleasure Beach, which is 50 acres, you know, and also it's quite tight in quite a few areas. So in order for that park to be safe, I would suggest that you couldn't have more than a couple of thousand people on the park. And now for a park that has you know, rides like the big one, an icon, which, you know, are quite expensive rides to run. Is it really going to be viable to have a couple of thousand people in the park? And I think that's going to be a question that they'll have to try and answer. I think they're going to want to open, but can can parks afford to open with these kind of reduced crowds, you know? So it, it's going to be interesting to see whether that's possible or not, really. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a really good point because that's definitely something we're looking at too. Uh, my home park, um, I've heard estimates that it's around 30,000 capacity, uh, my home park, so it's a rather large park. Um, but if we're down, if we have to reopen with 25%, let's say, that's 7,000 people if everybody shows up, that, you know, if, if, there's, if we sell out all the tickets. I can tell you, seventh, I've been there on days where it's 5,000, 7,000 people, and I can tell you, that's not a lot of people in my park. Um, and so if they're used to doing, you know, in the summertime, we probably do 20,000 people a day, uh, roughly, you know, 15, 20,000 people in a day. And so if they're used to doing those numbers and all of a sudden that's cut in half and you have to spend more money on uh, sanitation, you know, because now you have to buy more chemicals. You have to buy. You have to have more staff, not only to run the rides, but now you have to have more staff because you need more cleaning in the park. You know, and you got to stay on top of that. So, are they going? Their overhead is going to go up because of this. And so again, mm-hmm. it, it boils down to: Are they going to open this year? And 
for us, Six Flags is different because they offer a member program that we're involved in, uh, that I'm involved in. And it's, it's think of a season pass, but instead of spending all the money up front, you pay a monthly membership fee and it does the same thing. You can go to all the parks, yeah. um, you get a bunch of perks, and it's a tiered system. The more you pay, the more you play. And so I have the top tier. It's called Diamond Elite. I'm a Diamond Elite member, um, and I have an all-season flash pass. Um, so I can skip the lines when I go to the park on busy days. But that comes out to about $55 per month U.S. So right now, they've mm -hmm. given the option. You can either continue to pay or you can pause your membership. Um, I... I am paying it right now, but it's getting harder to justify because they said, well, we'll give you more points. We'll give you more, um, you know, we'll give you some more perks, right? We'll give you some bring a friend free tickets and stuff like that. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll stay in it. But a lot of people that right now is really the only revenue Six Flags is making is off of their members that are still paying the monthly fee. Um, the, the problem is that a lot of members are, are stopping that because they're not able to go to the parks and every day is looking like it's going to be longer and longer and longer. So we have mm -hmm. that issue too financially in the States going on. Um, how much did you say that was? $50 a month? $55 a month. What wow. I get with that is, um, so for $55 a month, I get a Platinum Flash Pass, which is the top tier Flash Pass, so I can skip all the rides at my home park. Um, I also get free and you know, unlimited entry. I get lunch, dinner, and a snack every time I visit the park. Uh, I get unlimited drinks and a cup. I have a special member cup. I get free parking and I get preferred parking. So I get up front in a little gated office section. Um, I get special invites for things like um i got max force we got i got invited to go and sign the track for max force you just get little things like that we also got to ride max force two days before the public um so you get a bunch of of perks it's 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 more than just a pass to get in all season you, you get a lot of stuff with that um mm. yeah i mean i think i think the probably the only comparable thing we have in the uk is we have the you know merlin you know merlin don't you as as the company merlin entertainment yeah. mm -hmm. so they have uh the merlin pass um and you can either have a standard one or the premium pass uh, and the premium pass basically you get in everywhere every merlin attraction yeah, mm -hmm. and um, you get free parking. So that's what that includes. It doesn't include anything else, but that only cost us. I think I think we paid about one hundred and forty pounds in the end. So that's something like probably around about one hundred and sixty-five dollars, something like that. So right? That's for does the, that that's for come? The year. Does that come with any? Like, do you get meals? Do you get drinks? Do you get anything else with that, or just entry and parking? No, it's just entry and parking. I mean, parking costs, um, you know, you're talking about £10, 10 to £15 a go. Um, and I think you get preferred parking as well with the premium pass. So I guess every visit you, you, you're potentially saving £15, pounds, oh. you know, just on the parking. But it, all you can eat food and drink thing isn't really a thing in the UK. The, the, the parks kind of dabble with it. 
um, like Pleasure Beach do do an all-you-can-eat, and we have started to get the Coca-Cola Freestyle now. So I do wonder if in the future they might offer... I don't know if we do... We might get a discount, you know, maybe for Coca-Cola Freestyle. And and you get a discount for, like, merchandise and things like that, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's um, something I forgot, too. Uh, my tier, I get 50% off all merch. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good, that. Yeah, so... so shirts are 10 bucks at, at Six mm. Flags Park, so... Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, but yeah, but, I mean, so we don't. But let's so, let's you know, let's tie this back into what we're talking about because yeah. though that creates issues, such yeah, as yeah. our food lines are a lot longer. On during our our summer months, it's not unusual at my home park to have to wait an hour in line for food, um, because. Most of the people have a pass that has lunch, dinner, and a snack, so around lunchtime. And ours, at Six Flags Parks, it's only between certain times. So our dining is from 11.30 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. is your lunch. You have to eat in that time period. If you don't, you've just forfeited your lunch. Your snack is valid all day. Dinner is from 4.30 to 8.30. So because they do time zones like that, Everybody rushes to the food places during those time zones, and mm. it you have to wait a while. Well, now let's look at this whole situation. People are going to go to the parks, and when they want food, now you have to space yourself six feet apart from each other. Now you have to clean all those surfaces, especially around food all the time. Um, how long are people going to wait now in line for food? You know, it's going to move slower. So um, I know Six Flags yeah. working on some like mobile ordering. You can order food from your mobile app. They've promised that at my park for the last two seasons, and we have <laughs> not gotten that. So I don't have much faith in that, honestly. See, the, so the only way around that would be then, obviously, the pre-booking, the limited numbers. But then how would you feel as someone paying $55 a month if you were told, actually, you can't come on Saturday because we, we're full now? You know, how how would that make you feel as someone paying $55 a month? I would be very upset because, um, and and I've said this too, they haven't said how they're going to prioritize this. So, um, and and I'm going to sound a bit like a prima donna, and I don't mean to sound like that, but um, I think it's valid what I'm about to say. And that is, I pay the top tier on everything for Six Flags. I physically can't pay a higher monthly amount to Six Flags. I have nothing left to add on to my membership with them. So I am top tier. Um, And if I book and someone else's books who doesn't pay that much money, right, and doesn't have that, that level and status, and because they booked sooner or because you know however the reservation system works if somehow i can't go because something else was prioritized that's gonna sting a little bit i may have to look at maybe i want to drop my membership lower to you know to a lower tier because i'm not i don't feel like i'm a top tier person for six flags so they haven't said how they're going to address that um but that that and it, you know a lot of people here in the U.S. have that that feeling of of it should be prioritized, you know, and and then mm-hmm. other people say, well, that's not fair. And so I see both sides of the argument. But as someone who pays that fee, of course, if I 
if I want to go to the park, I would hope that we would get, you know, first yeah. priority. Well, what I've seen in Europe so far is that um, certainly one of the parks is inviting people to the park. So mm-hmm. when it's looking to initially open, they're sending like invites out. And the people being invites tend to be the people, you know, with annual passes and, and so on. Right. So that that could be an option that you may get invited. But it's like you say, um, you know, if you're paying for that unlimited kind of membership, then and you don't get invited, then obviously that's that's going to be a problem. Um, I guess the other thing is like you're talking about having flash passes. Now, yep. I feel like you know they're talking a lot about distance queue lines, and the only way to kind of manage the queue lines really will be through having, you know, like a kind of mobile booking kind of option. So you need to, you know, like with Disney, you need to go between one and two. What that means is that kind of neutralizes FastPass a little bit because that basically is FastPass, isn't it? <laughs> you know, if if you get a time. Well, so there, potentially you might be getting less value, you know, for those FastPasses maybe. I think it's a little... So it, it works different at the Six Flags parks and at the Cedar Fair. It does work different. Um... Six Flags has a little wristband that you put on it. It looks just like a smartwatch. Um, obviously, it doesn't make calls or have apps or anything, but it, it, it's a digital display, and you put it on your, your wrist just like a watch. And what you do is you swipe through, and you it has all the rides listed, and you pick a ride, and you swipe left, I think. Well, no, you swipe right. I don't know. You swipe one of the ways. And then it reserves your slot, and it tells you um, you'll be ready in nine minutes and it'll buzz when it's time for you to go to that ride. And it gives you a couple of minutes to get there. So, um, the way it works is there's three different tiers of flash pass at a Six Flags park. There's the basic, there is the next level up. You know, I forget what they call it. A gold, they call it gold. It's basic gold and then platinum basic. Um, you don't save any time. It's the same wait time that people in line are waiting. You just don't have to wait in line, right? So if it's an hour wait, you swipe over and it'll say, okay, it's it's an hour wait and an hour, it'll buzz you and then you go up a separate entrance and you go in. The gold is cuts 50% of your wait time, right? So you pay a little bit more money, you get the gold one. Um, and then there's the platinum, which is what I have. Platinum cuts 90% of the wait time. So I've never waited more than five minutes for any ride um, all last season, which is fantastic on busy days. Essentially, I never see the busy day because it doesn't affect me. However, I don't know how they're going to do that with um, the way that the parks are going to reopen because if everybody essentially, you know, they can fix it by everybody gets a basic flash pass. So everyone basically does have that uh, virtual queue um but if we have to stand six feet apart and they are spacing people on the trains and have to clean down the trains in between then that 90 percent cut that i'm supposed to see how would i see that because the system's not flowing the way it's designed to flow no and yeah because also those kind of uh, do you do you have um do you have separate fast pass lines or do you just go into the normal line? So are there any kind of merge points or anything like that? Well, it depends on the ride, but most big attractions have a separate line um, for flash pass and single riders. Um, but some rides, just to, depending on how the building was 
designed, some of them were designed before Flash Pass. So sometimes you do have to merge. You'll skip a majority of the line and then you merge at the end and maybe you have 100 feet or 200 feet till you get to the boarding station. Um, but they're not, not every ride is totally separate. Yeah, because it feels like it'd almost be completely impossible to distance people at a merge point, you know, because it, it's always chaos at a merge point. And you always have a member of staff, you know, trying to, you know, jockey that. So Correct. it kind of feels like you'd only have to have one line, you know, if you're going to do it properly, you know, I'd think. What's worse is that there has to be an attendant there for your flash pass. You have to hold out your wrist. They have to take a cell phone that has a special app on it. They put the cell phone on top of your ri- on top of your device on your wrist and then their cell phone lights up green. It has like a little green box that goes off that says it's good and that clears your reservation from your device. So how do you distance that? You have to have a person that physically touches their phone to a device on your wrist. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like it. The, unless they completely change the system, it's not going to work, is it? Uh, by the no, Cedar it? Cedar Point's better. Theirs is not a digital system. Theirs is just a wristband that has a barcode on it. You walk up uh, to a separate line and you scan your wrist underneath a device that that then um, the little turnstile that you have to go through, um, it'll it'll unlock that turnstile for you to go through. There'll be a bar or something will be there preventing you, and it'll 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 allow you to go through it once you scan your wrist. Yeah. All right. So the, the final bit I just wanted to touch on then was you sure. kind of touched on it a little bit there about spacing on trains. Now, I was talking to uh, Shelley about this earlier. We can't see how this is actually really um, possible or, or what the point is in even doing it. Because if you think about it, if you have someone at the front of the train mm-hmm. and they cough or sneeze... Uh, and the train's moving, then it's going to spray backwards <laughs> over the rest of the train. <laughs> so whether you're directly behind them or whether you're even five rows behind them, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. So this kind of idea of spacing on trains, I'm not sure if this is a goer or not. So I don't know what your kind of view on that is because we kind of came to the conclusion that there's no point doing it. It's probably pointless makes no sense i'll tell you why because they're the way they've worded it makes no sense because they say okay the way we're going to do it is it's um basically every other row every other seat if so if it's so if it's a two car or two seat car then you'll have one person on the right side then two rows back you have one person on the left side and then it's stat it'll zigzag like that um, but they said, but if you're with, um, if you're already, if you came with someone who's already in your household, then you two can ride together. So what is the point? Because most people go to a theme park. I mean, there was a couple of solo people, but most people have somebody there, which yeah. means we're going to be filling these trains up almost regularly <laughs> anyways, just every other row. It'll feel like the the ride ops will almost have to kind of complete this kind of jigsaw puzzle, you know. <laughs> every yeah. time Every time they have to fill the good like, oh, can we put someone there or can we put them? It's gonna dispatch time is gonna be about twenty minutes because <laughs> they're trying to work out this puzzle of you know where they can put people. Well, and then they're saying that every time a train comes back in the station, that they're gonna have to sanitize the whole train. That's if I'm yeah. a ride op, I'm not even showing up to work then. 
No, and um, I mean, the only saving grace with that is that um, I don't know about if you've seen this in the States, but in, in the UK, uh, on the tube in London, they've actually got this disinfectant that actually lasts, um, you know, like for a couple of days or something. Um, so they can spray all the trains and it actually lasts. Uh, things can't live on the surface anymore while this is active. So, to me, that would seem like the more sensible option. So, if they can get hold of these kind of more permanent, you know, disinfectants, then maybe yeah, that would be a better option, perhaps? Here, no, because, yes, in terms of the health aspect, yes, but you got to look at it from a PR standpoint. Um, yeah. Parks here in the U.S., people are going to want to see the parks <laughs> sanitizing these rides. They're not going to yeah, just yeah. trust that. Oh, we sprayed something that lasts 24 hours. You guys are good all day. People here are already going to be weary to get to the parks anyways. So look at it almost like a show. Even if they use the 24-hour, you know, or whatever um, chemical that you're saying, they would have to come out with something like, you know, just steam, just water or something, just to... They would need to do something for a show. And at that point, if you're going to have to do it already, you might as well just clean the train anyways yeah yeah no it sounds like i mean um before the parks closed in the uk um the the steps they were talking about were quite basic so they were talking about putting a hand sanitizer um at the ride entrance so you had to sanitize your hands and then uh at the end of the ride the ride up was just basically going to wipe down the lap bars or something like that yeah um so that was the plan but I, f- I feel like now it's going to have to be a bit more complicated than that. But to be honest, um, you know, apart from us talking about it, um, it's really not on the agenda at the moment, <laughs> opening the park. So um, Amanda Thompson, who owns Pleasure Beach, she, uh, you know, she's talked about, you know, wanting to reopen and what have you. But the situation is that it's currently just impossible. Um, and I think the Prime Minister is actually making an announcement right now, actually, as we speak. Uh, talking about you know the way forward so i feel like theme parks like in in the u.s it's probably not going to be on the agenda until you know people can go back to the football for example you know the the football isn't on at the moment which is a bit of a nightmare you know for most people and when i talk about football i'm talking about you know proper football not american football right yeah so yeah so so this kind of thing so i feel like probably sports you know theme parks it all kind of you know it all kind of forms that uh that same you know same kind of thing don't it you know can we put crowds together uh so it's a bit of a question so yeah okay so yeah so that's been really interesting um hearing what's happening in the states and just making those comparisons so i don't know if you're up for this but i was thinking maybe we could come back to this topic in you know maybe a few weeks time and and see you know where we are with progress and what's been happening you know the kind of things that we've talked about are they actually happening or you know are the, are the new things that have come out of the woodworks i don't know if you'd be up for talking about it again in a few weeks. absolutely maybe. and you know i'm i'm kind of a risk taker um so i'll be at parks as they open here um maybe not in the first couple of days, but I'm going to try to get to some parks, if nothing else, to document how they're handling this. Um, yeah. And so, you know, in a few weeks, I should have some more data and some more stuff to come back with and, and let you know how we're doing. Yeah, you've got your journalistic integrity <laughs> visiting the theme parks. Yeah. Right. 
Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, thanks for joining us. So if anyone wants to uh, check out uh, Stephen's uh, YouTube page, that is uh, Frill Max, and it's Max with two X's. Um, and also you've got, um, you have a Facebook uh, group, don't you? Do you have a Facebook page as well? Is it just the group? I have a Facebook group. You can find us Instagram, YouTube. Um, you can even find us at thrillmax.net. Um, the word thrill, then M-A-X-X.net. Yeah. Uh, homage to um, to Max Force, yes. um, which I, I understand is, is potentially um, one of the most forceful launches is is what i've heard on the rumor mill but you guys should true. you should check out my video on my channel about max Wars versus top throw dragster <laughs> right yeah yeah all right well i'll, I'll check that out then I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in that brilliant all right well thanks for joining us Stephen, and uh, we'll talk again in a few weeks and see how this is uh starting to materialize awesome thanks for having me on the show Thank you. And uh, so if anyone wants to keep up to date with Theme Park Loopy, then obviously you can find us on YouTube, find us on Facebook. You can also find us at themeparkloopy.com. And also if you want to get in touch, send us an email to themeparkloopy at gmail.com. But in the meantime, we'll see you again real soon. (laughs) 